All right, welcome back everyone to the shuttle pod at the disco. Uh, I'm Matt Wright, and I'm joined by our lovely guest host, back by popular demand, Lori Ulster. Who's demanding this? I demand to know. Uh, we Well, we do. We like having oh. you. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to demand it myself next time. <laughs> um, so everybody else is out traveling, so it's just the two of us holding down the fort. So, yay. We're going to get an earful of Lori and Matt today. <laughs> <laughs> get, get yourselves ready. Yes, brace yourselves. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about Shuttlepod, or well, episode nine of season two of Discovery, Project Daedalus, written by Michelle Paradise, and directed by the one and only number one himself for his second episode this season, Jonathan Frakes. And uh, again, as per popular demand, we will read the CBS approved episode synopsis before we jump into it. So here's Project Daedalus. When the Discovery crew infiltrates Section 31's headquarters, suspicions arise that the crew may have a traitor in their midst. Burnham tries to help Spock, but her efforts don't go as planned. They never do. No, they really don't, do they? <laughs> <laughs> so, Lori, just the quotes. What's your quick reaction to the episode before so, we jump into it? Uh, I've been thinking about this one for a while because mm -hmm. the reaction to it has been so strong. And I had some issues. And I, I mean, just mm -hmm. to set this up i love discovery i've been enjoying it from the beginning i feel very close to it because of working on after trek mm -hmm. so i have a tendency to just really enjoy it and see all the good stuff and while i thought that this episode was great at dealing with the emotions of what was going mm -hmm. on and great with characters and there was and there was a great story in there i just i gotta be honest i don't think they told it very well everything needed sharpening and they just stopped before they got there yep i tend to agree i think it's it's hard especially like i think we'll watch it at least twice at this point and we sort of have a more critical eye at least on at least one viewing and then kind of chill out and watch it maybe on a second viewing so i have to say that if you chill out I don't notice the problems quite as much, but it's one of those things where if you reflect on it, you start to go, well, hey, yeah, hey, why is that? Hey, why didn't they think about doing this? You know, and you start to go, hmm, if only that they could, like you said, they're so close to having something dialed in, but it's just not quite there. And I actually had the opposite. Usually my first watch, I take notes for us, for Trek movie, for different things. Mm -hmm. And I decided yep. I was going to switch it up this week. So my first watch, I just sat and watched it. And then my oh, second yeah. cool. my second one, I took notes. And then always, mm -hmm. like, right before we do this, that day, I try to just refresh and just watch sure. again. Um, yep. But I noticed the first pass. I mean, I've also, to be honest, been writing my own projects. So I'm very mired in mapping out scenes and characters right. and things anyway is kind of my mindset but so you're very conscious of it yeah. I'm, I'm very conscious of it but it's also i love i love discovery and i love tv so if it's great i'm just gonna sit back and enjoy it and there were just too mm -hmm. many too many things that i was that i kept thinking oh if you'd only done oh yeah uh. yeah <clears throat> and i think uh, up some behind the scenes kind of point to make about this episode is this is yet another transition point behind the scenes because we had a transition, of course, away from Harberts and Berg when they were let go. And that was only a few episodes ago, really, that we sort of got free of whatever their baggage was. And you'll note that we had two pretty good episodes, by the way, as soon as we kind of moved away from their baggage. Um, 
And then what we have now, though, is about this time, the Picard show started to get hot and heavy. And so I think you can see some of the people that were brought in to help lead the writer's room, like James Duff, who's an experienced like procedural writer and has some good shows under his belt. He starts to drift over to the Picard show. I mean, we know that because we've seen him in the Picard show writer room in the photo on Twitter. So like, clearly they're not, you know, his time is divided. Right. And so I think what we're seeing a little bit, and I hope this is true when it gets better is we're seeing a, a dis- sort of disarray from again, another shuffle of who's where, who's doing what. And Michelle Paradise was brand new. This is her first episode. She, she was, so she was brought in, you know, kind of in the second half and this is newer. And it just seems like if we'd had a real showrunner, like who's a writer in the room with a clear idea, they would have been able to polish this with her. Right. And, and it just doesn't seem like that happened. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, obviously, yeah. they made a decision about something big that was going to happen right. too late to actually seed it into the rest of the season. Right. And that's another bummer. And again, that goes back to all the upheaval of if this had been a consistent writing, you know, a, a well, head writer kind of thing, they could have worked things in about Arium all season. Right. They could have worked it in and really laid the track for this that it felt, well, you know, earned. Right. As a, as a common phrase there. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing that. I mean, and people are, I've seen people complaining to please stop saying, you know, that it wasn't earned. And and I don't want to take away at all from the actual performances and the emotion of that moment because it was very strong. I mean, this is the most emotional I mean, Star Trek show yeah. we've ever had, like of all this and series. And really, every, every actor, like everyone they cast does a fantastic job they're so as far as their, their craft. Yeah, they're, they're great actors. So this is not disparaging the acting at all not at all they, they honestly like as, as we'll we'll talk about i'm sure that they elevate all these things it's why like on the second viewing like when we're not looking as critical over either your first viewing since you did it sort of the inverse of what i was doing you kind of enjoy it right because they carry it so well and push through these moments that might otherwise be awkward that you know you like it it's you know it's right. great and they and to, for me they have done that throughout the season like there were earlier episodes yes. that i loved that not everybody on the trek movie team loved <laughs> because yes, i love the emotion like you put michael and tilly in their room and their roommates and one's crying and the other one's cry- i'm crying i love it it's my own history of ever having roommates it's fantastic mm-hmm. like i loved right. all that stuff very much and i love the deep the deep character dives i think are great but yes. yeah, as we start to get into the play-by-play, then I think we can talk. And it wasn't even just the Arium story no, where I kept seeing that. things that if they just added yep. some more layers, created reasons for things to happen, it would have played. I totally get what they were trying to do. I like what they were trying to do. I felt like they didn't do it. And as I watched, I was disappointed. And that was without yep. taking notes and without trying to be critical, but just sitting back mm-hmm. and watching it. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I feel you. So I'm I think, sad. you know, another layer of polish, you know, and this would have been really great. So yeah. there's a, as 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 uh, as Tony wrote in his review for the website, there's there's a lot of potential here and hopefully it just gets fine tuned and we don't really complain about this too much, you know, and, and going forward that this is, you know, like at least that not this problem, you know, right. Specifically. Um, well, so let's jump into it because we're sort of in a way getting ahead of ourselves, but that's OK. I know. Um, that's all right. Uh, so I think this this, ep- this episode opens with a beautiful shot of the Discovery kind of half, you know, semi-powered down, hiding behind a 
huge, you know, gorgeous looking planet and a this kind of mysterious shuttle approaching it, which I thought was a really lovely scene. And it's a cool shuttle because it's got like cool markings on it. So I guess that's Cornwall's like personal shuttle, which is nice because they've made these mentions of Cornwall having her own personal, although they called it a cruiser in season one, which (laughs) didn't really work out. Um, (laughs) But I guess it's a personal shuttle with some cool, you know, stripies on it. And it just makes makes her even cooler. I like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm, uh, can I just say, I'm also glad that they sort of pull Cornwell back from like being a section 31 collaborator in this episode, because I like Cornwell and I don't want her to be one. Same. I was really happy to see that she she came in on the right side and she was authoritative. She's everything that I liked about her when we first met her. Yes, totally. So she comes in and, of course, like, you know, docks with the Discovery and they, and they expect her. And she says she wasn't followed, yada, yada. And she knows that, you know, they're all on the run. And, well, basically, she, by joining them, she's pretty much put herself on the chopping block, too. But, of course, talking to Spock is too important to just let it go, you know, to, like, not contact them. And so she questions Spock with the uh, spinning orbs of... Spinning orbs of truth. (laughs) Yeah, the spinning orbs of truth. Um, And he, you know, he's telling the truth, or at least, you know, he's convinced that he is telling the truth, right? So that's a a distinction that matters. I like that scene a lot too. I mean, even though the orbs were a little distracting, but I liked, uh, I loved the way he answered her questions. And I thought yes. he had, very he, Spock. Was, he was very stoic and Spock and logical, but he had a little edge, yep. which I liked. he's tired was... of this bullshit, basically, that people right. don't believe in. Yeah. And, and he's kind of, you know, we know he's not, he's in a bit of a state as well. Yes. And so he was he's very controlled well. <laughs> with her, but yeah. you could tell, I just thought he played it really, really well. And so did she. Yeah, and of course Burnham enters, and he has to get in quite the the barb, right? Quite a little poke yeah. at her, where he, where she, of course, questions Burnham vouching for him because that's sister, and he's just like, ah, not by blood, just had to put it in there, like she's adopted. Screw you, you know, like. Well, and also Cornwell had said, "I'd like to speak privately with Spock," and then Burnham just comes. Oh like, yeah, then Burnham just kind of comes in. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That, like, it, it, this is obviously some little lab, like off of the main, you know, sick bay, but like, there's no door. She doesn't lock a door. <laughs> like, okay. Anyway, yes. So, um, that that aside. <laughs> that so aside, nice I like that. Sorry, yeah. I liked Michael's loyalty though. Like, I like that she showed up and yeah. said he's telling the truth. Like, it's nice that even when he's not treating her great, right. She's still there for him. Right. Totally. And so at that point, we learn that, you know, in theory, he's telling the truth. And Cornwell herself has a lot of reservations about Section 31. So it's, of course, like, among other things, they cut her off. <laughs> so her own admirals, like her own peers that uh, oversee Section 31 just went incommunicado. And they also revoked her access codes to the Section 31 mainframe and control, you know, the AI that does threat analysis for them. So now she's pissed and has good reason to be very suspicious of what's going on. Um, they also throw in a thing that I think is random and doesn't pay off in any way. And like we, we just talked about how there were certain details and certain things they could have done to dial in the script. This is something they probably could have just like removed and it wouldn't have mattered at all. She throws in that Patara is a logic extremist. And I think yeah. that was supposed to be helpful. And in a way, 
it is, but it raises even more questions. Like if she's a logic extremist, how recently did they figure this out? Because it doesn't seem like that's a person they should have in the high up admiralty. Right. Right. Like season one was Lethe where we saw our logic extremist. Right. And that was a terrorist. A a terrorist. Right. Yeah. So it seems to me that that wouldn't be a good person to have in charge. And then, sure. And then like, okay, so we actually already were suspicious of her. You didn't really need to throw that on the top of it. And then there's no payoff later because she did. Spoiler alert. She did. So like, doesn't matter. Um, But okay, whatever. It basically just means that there's more reason for her to not like Spock or Burnham, but then she's not alive anymore for it to matter, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's also, I thought it was interesting that we learned that the Admiralty have started to come to almost totally rely on control, uh, sort of post war, and especially since the Red Bursts showed up. So they get, you know, it's this whole everybody's really beat up and kind of scarred. Uh, and scared about another war so they start to do well you know i think it would say foolish things like that yeah i mean i don't love that this whole storyline very much Mm -hmm. so (laughs) so i you know and and i and of course it made me it did make me think of the ultimate computer which of course chronologically happens later i understand which so obviously whatever happens though they don't learn their lesson but... Well, I think that's, I, and I think it's actually like, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I think that's a really good point. And actually, though, when you think about it, we have lessons that, like, we don't, we sort of need to relearn as a society, like, with tech and our engagement with tech as the things progress, right? Like, remember, the internet was a big deal and everybody was freaking out about, you know, getting on, like, AOL Instant Messenger and kids being, like, recruited by pedophiles or like trafficked and stuff and that was a big deal now we're like legitimately worried about what's in youtube videos and see there's there's a you know what i mean what's going on in there there's these cycles of things so it almost makes sense that look they learned this lesson and then 10 years later another genius with a really great idea goes no no no, we got this it's dialed in it's based on my previous research don't worry you know like it's fine so i think that's actually a nice i think that's nice it actually works out you know Okay, I'll go, I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that when you would put that in our show notes. I was like, actually, I think that works. That's a yeah. nice way to work that. Yeah. And it was also more contained. They weren't making the decisions for the whole yes. Federation no. or it all was, of Starfleet. It was a it pilot was, program. Right. It was a test. It yeah. was a battle exercise. Th- so. They're being very cautious. That's another thing that maybe makes you think that they've learned a little something because they're being very cautious about it 10 years later. Right. They were just doing a simulation with it like, what four starships total and being careful with it so yeah right um but again we get this whole it's it's a common theme now to be worried about you know ai and where that's gonna lead it's really been a theme since what like terminator really and then it's but it's become a bigger theme again now that ai is a buzzword again so it makes (laughs) sense that they would think about it what didn't what didn't make sense to me with all this uh, Section 31 talk when she comes and she's like, I don't trust them and all this is I assume they decided Shazad Latif was not going to be in the episode. <laughs> but why on earth is he still in his like, would you not haul this guy out and start having conversations? with Oh, him? absolutely. And I love their I love that they could do this hand wave of like, no, no contact with them. And it's like, OK, but now you re- you really have a reason to grill this guy <laughs> yeah, it's it's time to have a conversation especially so. like when they realize that you know nobody's codes really work anymore it's like hey 
do his codes work? Yeah. Maybe someone should ask him. <laughs> I know. I know. And does he know about this? And put him in the orb of truth machine and then find out what he thinks about things. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I... Was- it would have Which been is I like, just filming something else this week? You know, did he have another project to go off to or something? I don't get uh, it. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. And it also, it wasn't even just, like, I also was personally interested in what he would say to all this. So it wasn't even sure, just yeah. the logic of the story. Well, so and, much and as like, it, I'm dying to know yeah. what he thinks about all this. Yeah. And remember, Burnham um, even says that she believes, you know, Ash is a good guy and like, she'll exonerate him. Right. And so it's right. like, hey, how better to do that than haul him out there, prove that he doesn't, you know, he knows, prove that he's not lying. He knows nothing about this situation and watch him attempt to help or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, so they and didn't even, do that. No, and even if they were all convinced that he was really bad, you'd haul him out and talk to him. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So they don't do that. And that's a wasted opportunity. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, what is not a bummer, though, is we get to finally canonically instead of just sort of unofficially figure out what the heck Ariam is and, and who she is and what she's up to like in her life, which is really nice. Um, I think we've all wondered since, well, episode three of season one, when she first showed up yeah. on the bridge and people, you know, fans have been wondering. Right. So, uh, yeah. I, no, we've, I mean, what is she and what's her backstory? And, and again, as we will, I'm sure no doubt keep saying throughout this podcast, like I, of course, all the things that we learned about her, which were all really interesting, were starting points. And there's yeah. so many, and they all, and they raise all these other questions, which now, of course, are not likely we to can't get answer. answered. Yeah. And yeah. it would have been really interesting to see gradually these things revealed, and then you hold one thing for the final reveal, which I would Absolutely. say would be the scene on the beach, you know, that beautiful uh-huh. thing of what happened. But there's so yep. many so many questions and things that I still am like, well, how does this work? And how does this work? Yeah. And and not even in a challenging way, but just in a fascinated way. And I yeah. wish that we had well, the opportunity to know yeah. more about her. Yeah. Including like mundane things about how she lives her life, because as, as the episode introduces, you know, whatever happened to her brain or like her, her, you know, her, obviously her like, uh, human, you know, the, whatever's left of her human brain really does need help because, she has to unload memories. So clearly her like biochemical brain isn't doing a good job storing information anymore. It's just really interesting shit like that where it's like, wait, so so you have to unload stuff? You have like a limited like memory capacity. That's super interesting, you know? Yeah. And if you so people noticed I hadn't I didn't really pay attention the first time, but I noticed it the second time. People noticed that she doesn't actually have a bed. She has like a re she has like a recharge pod. She has like a little pod that she crawls into and so it's like oh that's kind of interesting like you know how does that work you know what does that entail what you know how long does she really need to sleep slash recharge then and you know right and how much of her personality is in there because in a lot of the scenes where we saw her interacting with people they were doing all the joking right but yet they were close to her so what is she given to them what is her contribution like there were so many questions like sure well unlike in this episode in this episode, she has a lot of good, like, kind of uh, joking comments and, sar- and sarcastic comments back with, like, Tilly and stuff, too. And it's like, oh, is that, that's been there the whole time? Like, in theory? That would be right. good and cool to see. Like, she's a person, <laughs> you know. Um, and, of course, those memories of bonding that we get to see with her 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 bridge crew ladies, which I really liked. Um, oh, well, not just ladies, but especially her, yeah. like, her three from the bridge crew. 
and um and like punching. sparring with reese yep. yeah sparring with reese yeah um imagine if we'd seen that sprinkled throughout then that's just it right like this is the <laughs> thing we were talking about at the beginning of in theory that's one of the benefits to having a serialized storytelling right is you you plan these things and you sprinkle them throughout the season so by the time it gets to episode nine we really care that she's gone right. right we really start to care about her and and if we had never seen her before then it mm-hmm. would have worked better but we have seen her this whole time and we've never yeah, seen and been, any and level of that interaction before and we wanted to right. know it for a long and we time wanted and we wanted to never, yeah. yeah yeah so that's the kind of like catch 22 of that and uh, you know so but yeah so i mean i thought that was really great as far as we finally get to learn more about ariam um and of course throughout the whole thing she periodically glitches with her three (laughs) red dots (laughs) and does you know weird suspicious stuff um i like that she starts to become aware of it that she starts to sort of be concerned about herself and there's that nice moment where she's trying to decode stuff and crunch numbers whatever with tilly and she even asks Tilly to stay near her. And I think that's her, you know, I, I always took that, I took that to mean that she's sort of aware that she fades out, you know, periodically, like something, you know, distracts her periodically. But again, so she's worried about it. So I have the same issue there because again, mm-hmm. so that and the way you're describing it, it sounds great. But yeah. all she said <laughs> you have to, to her sort of was... An, an, stay here which is a weird thing to say and why didn't she make up a reason and say can you check my calculations or you're good at this and give her she basically demands it she basically just demands it you need to just stay like stay here you know and she sends her she keeps sending her back and forth because first she sends her away and she says in case the captain needs you which i'm like well you're kind of the same distance from him whichever side of the bridge you're on but sure so so they didn't again just come up with a reason for these things. Then she has her to stay. Then she sends her away. And each right. time I just thought well, that's if you the, had yeah. a logical, have her make up a reason. It would just right. add this layer of of believability and richness and not a big alarm bell like, this is important, everybody. Look at this moment. Right, right. And it, it just would have, to me, been richer and meant a lot more. And it wouldn't have been hard and it wouldn't have taken any more time. Right, right, exactly. This, this goes back to that polish. Like, we have to have reasons for people doing things. And then it really helps, you know? Like, like what if uh, she'd asked Tilly to run a diagnostic on her? And that's what I wanted to bring up. This is what bothers me. If Ariam knows that something's amiss, why didn't she go do, like, a self-diagnostic? Or even better, like you said, have Tilly run a diagnostic. And you know what? The diagnostic might not even... The control virus is pretty damn advanced. Maybe it knows how to hide. It's not like the the, the diagnostic it would have ended the story, right? Because we know we need her to go on to be the puppet of control. Hey, they could have even tried to chase it down, and it's like, you know, and it and it evades, right? Like, there's so many ways to do this, but at yeah. least look like everyone's competent, you know, right? And aware. So that's kind of a bummer and a missed opportunity. And of course, I will say, pre- non. Commander Non is doing her duty uh, very nicely as the security chief over here because she's the one who's watching this whole thing and watching Ariam kind of glitch and kind of pivot like you know from one thing to another that doesn't really make sense to her and so she's watching it the whole time which is good and that's what security chief should be doing right you notice a bridge officer is being very strange like it's your job to probably keep an eye on that Um, which is what any 
officer would do, right? But, but maybe something a little more than just keep an eye on it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. I think as soon as she noticed a strange pattern, it's time to report that up the chain. And it I would have been thought... actually great if she'd reported it and they said to her, look, you're new. You don't know her. She's fine. Right. And then. Hey, or she could have what? asked. She could have said, let's do a diagnostic. Right. Or she could have said, let's mm-hmm. do a diagnostic. Tilly do the diagnostic. And then Tilly would say, I've done it. She's fine. And then we don't right. feel this weird missing right. piece because right. she clearly could tell something was going on. And I feel like Data right. used to run diagnostics on himself. Like if he oh, yeah. lost a like game, he... he would freak right. out and think that he had exactly. to examine himself. The second he thought anything was amiss, he'd go, yeah, he'd go yeah. on a diagnostic. And and they weren't shy at asking him to do that either. Like there are cases where Picard would basically be like, get down to engineering and have Jordy <laughs> di- you know, run a diagnostic on you. And... This should be no, and, and, and likewise, even on fully biological crew members, how many times have we seen a captain go order a crew member to go get a physical because they don't trust them, right? Kirk, Kirk took need- himself to go get a physical in Wink of an Eye. Not a physical, but he shows up and he says, I'm hearing things. What's going on? Yep. Could something be wrong yep. with me? Right. Right. Exactly. So again, there's ways to make this look look everyone look like professionals and not boobs basically right and do something interesting that was missed and it's a bummer because there's i i that everything else about it is good it's really great that non is on it and suspicious of the whole thing nothing wrong with that it's just we need one step further because we're all professionals and we should be aware of these things you know and it, it's like and come on. And honestly, it doesn't have to slow everything down. And as we make our no. way through this episode, we're going to talk about some other scenes where, again, if they they could mm-hmm. have done exactly what they wanted to do right. and made it richer and better, and it wouldn't have required extra scenes and extra time, which I know. I mean, obviously, they're still cramming a lot into all of these episodes, which is great. I don't want them to be boring and slow. So I like, you know, the pace is fine. But... It's, it's, and usually like last week we talked about how they still managed to have all these small moments, which I really enjoyed and is a strength of the mm-hmm. show overall. I think yeah. they're really, really good at that. But here yeah, they are. we just, it is Star Trek and there's an expectation that you're going to come up with a tech reason for this and a logical reason for mm-hmm. that. And it was just missing mm-hmm. too many times and, and needlessly. Yes. So speaking of a missing and kind of, why are they there question let's move on to spock and burnham um which which again had some really great you know acting moments some really great moments between the two of them uh but we open to them in in the engineering lab stamets's engineering lab why are they there i don't know i was i there's no reason for them to be there (laughs) why why are they there you remember that new science lab that's right off the bridge that's the set that that they revamped the set from Lorca's. Yes. Uh, yeah, from Lorca's ready room is now turned into a science lab that they've used repeatedly earlier in the season. And in fact, Burnham was studying the Red Angel in that science lab like some episodes ago. Why aren't they in that lab? Like, really? It doesn't. All right. Yes. And they actually could have concocted a great reason to get Stamets into there that would have made more yes, sense. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I, I, that's right. Because the idea, I mean, obviously the idea was we need to have Spock and Stamets together. Which, that's a good idea. I would like to see scenes with them. I would just like to see scenes with them that the setup makes sense, right? Like, there's a reason for it. Not just simply because apparently they're all up in his space doing stuff. Like, it doesn't... Why? 
No, you know? and then it's very awkward because first he he's he thinks they should make noise, and then he doesn't want them to, and he kicks them out. And again, yeah, all of yeah. that could have been integrated. So, you know, if he and he's doing this bizarrely mundane task, which yes. if I think about it from a character point of view, I go, listen, this guy needs to distract himself. He really mm-hmm. wants to be working. But yes. and it's not that I need everything overstated because God knows we've complained about that. But yes. I just thought if he had a reason that he had to go in there and they were like, Why are you doing that work? And somehow the two tasks that they're doing have some crossover where he's interrupting them and they're and finally mm-hmm. they realize we can't all work together in the same space. Yes. Yes. And you know, it just it all could have come together with all this layering of the tech that they were all doing with the personal stuff. It Absolutely. Just, it could have There's really it. worked mm-hmm. beautifully and that they're in a smaller space. But instead, it was just it was awkward. It was weird when he said, you know, be loud and then be quiet. And I and it, it was like a shortcut. Mm-hmm. It felt like a shortcut. Well, what also just is killer is to know that this is not even main engineering because they haven't built that set. Like, why is everyone crammed into poor Samitz's lab off of engineering? Yeah. Like, come on, you know, like, OK, whatever. Um, that's a more practical side, so they can work around that with plot reasons, like like you yeah. were proposing, and they can they can do that. There's there's a way to do it for sure, just like you said. Um, so okay, that was awkward, not terrible, just weird, you know, just awkward. Like why was, is that there? Yeah, like the Stamets stuff was weird, I thought, but the but Spock and Michael, I thought were really good. Yes, again, you know? they're back to this really icy sibling dynamic that they have and it was all good like i liked all of that and when they moved to play chess which i thought was yes, also really not so you know good. first of all we all yeah. love the 3d chess so thank you for bringing that out that was nice and his <laughs> comments on our quarters were really funny love that i love that that's the kind of shit that's that we know spock would would potentially do if he was feeling feisty even later in life he might say that you know and he decorated like, his quarter. Like his quarters were always very Vulcan, very decorated. And, very, and I you think know. that says something that he'll decorate and Michael won't. You know, it's really interesting, right? It's really yeah. interesting. It was a good uh, observation on his point, even if it was supposed to kind of poke her. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was very Spock and very fun mm-hmm. to watch the two of them. And then their discussion about Sarek I thought was great. Oh, because loved that. It is the most complicated relationship ever. And I thought that was a really nice back and forth because she kind of feels like she knows Sarek better. And he feels like you really don't will, know who this man I will is say, at all. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he says you can't presume to know Sarek. And the funny thing is, is actually of the two of them, she can considering she's got like a Kotrick bond with him <laughs> from him saving her life. But OK. Oh, that didn't come up, but that that was pointed out after the fact. I've seen a number of people comment that. And I'm like, actually, that's true. <laughs> Except I still see his point of view because he feels like he knows the the real Sarek, which is not this great man. I mean, you know, I disappoint true, true. him. He Absolutely disappoints true. me. Yeah. The sun sets and a new God, day I loved begins. That. Like it's I a beautiful that. line. That's it, so great. That's a great line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it makes it clear that he's he's his he knows that he's you know got this other thing going on which he you know Mm -hmm. he does so Sarek is Mm -hmm. not a good dad I think we've established this pretty clearly I think we've established that yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we have (laughs) 
<clears throat> I also like that we start to get really real, not just with Spock, but with Michael herself. And I mean, it really escalates and it's pretty shitty the way Spock handles it, but it's actually got a good point, which is that Michael has all this like burden of guilt about things that she has no control over. Like she was eight or whatever. How could she have stopped Klingons from ki- like killing her parents, right? She has no control over logic extremists targeting the learning center she was at. She has no control over these things, you know? And no, it, and the- I thought it was really nice that he basically drove that point home that you're do- you're you're avoiding things by attempting to control it all, right? Like And not just avoiding things, but that it's actually a little egocentric. It is, right. That she's, you know, there have been some, look, I love her character. So people are always complaining, like, so much, why is everything about Michael? And I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a great character and her acting is so good that she can get away with so much around mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love yeah. her facial Especially expressions. Especially this season. I love how much she carries in her face. I think she conveys so much that way. But I was like, it's true. Like, it is an egocentric view of things. It when, is. And it made me think of when she first came aboard the Discovery and she mm-hmm. wouldn't defend herself. You know, her whole thing, like she never defended herself. Right. And she just assumed the worst all the time and I'll just go back and I'm nothing. And it was kind of this egocentric all about you kind of You know, viewpoint. what sucks though is that's Spock has a point, but then the writing of the show keeps making it about her. Right. Including the very end of this episode where the words oh, it's are actually about- <laughs> spoken. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's Everything true. is because of you as the words spoken at the very end of this episode. And it's like, well, shit, people. <laughs> right. And she has a deeply uh, personal relationship with every, almost every player except Leland and this whole thing because it's Giorgio and it's, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, Tyler Giorgio's and it's got- everybody has this insane relationship with her. But the other thing yeah. I also liked about that scene at the end is Mm -hmm. that she's very emotional when it's over yes and that that carries with her and when they call her to the bridge like you hear that little sound in her voice and again this is Sonequa Martin Green who really pulls it off no matter what they ask her to do she's so great and and you feel it you know you feel this like we have all I've always like Matt you know when you have to go to work and something terrible yes and you and you you try to pull it together and you're and you have that worry that oh my god everyone's gonna notice that i just don't have it together and i look you know i look distraught and of course saru her other buddy like does notice and he does say something which is nice nice little first he does this nice little head nod which i like this tilted Mm -hmm. head move which i really liked and then he says it to her gently not in the way that you know if you ask me what's wrong i'll just start crying so (laughs) i mean she wouldn't (laughs) i personally would when someone goes how are you and i go Um, Mm -hmm. but, and, and it also showed that they, I mean, they have been through a lot and now I feel like they do have that brother sister relationship that they kept talking about for so long. Yes. Now it's there. It really is there. And it was a very nice moment and they've been Mm -hmm. through a lot of stuff together. So it felt Mm -hmm. very appropriate and very, dare I say it, earned. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, before we leave the room with those two, I did want to say that I also liked that we get to a little bit more of Spock's point of view on things and that the logic extremist bombing comes back up and he actually thinks it's about himself and that he's a half human abomination. He says, yeah, Uh, that's, that's, you know, I mean, that seems pretty legit that he might think that at least in, in, you know, from their point of view that they would think that about himself 
we know that this is, of course, the thing he's always struggled with, right? Right. He he struggles with this balance forever. (laughs) And he was picked on. Like, we know that his history. We know he's picked on. Right. Right. He was picked on and he was made fun of for being half human. And so it makes sense that that would be a, a continuing issue for him. Absolutely. So good for them. I liked all of that. Um, I, I, he gets really angry and I kind of, you know, I'm a little worried about this, but only slightly. I'm okay with what they did so far. I just don't want it to go too much further, you know, but I did really like, I liked that he kind of got angry and he said that he's, um, what is it for the first time in his life? He's can feel feelings, you know, without guilt or whatever. And I like that because like, look, if you're, if you spend your whole life trying to be repressed and you sort of just go, look, it's all bubbling to the surface anyway. Fuck it. That must feel really great. Yeah. He said, he said, (laughs) failure is liberating. And for the first time I enjoy expressing emotion. Yes. There you go. Thank you. That was, I had to write that down because I thought it was so, again, wonderful. It's so good. That was a great moment and a great thing for him to say. It was. So. Like I say, this is all good. Just please don't make this a thing for like the rest of the season. He really needs to start to get it back in check as we go along. And I also Spock can't stay that way for too long. And I think Ethan Peck can really is such a good successor to Leonard Nimoy. He's he's doing so well right now. Yeah. And I think once he really because how he was with Cornwall in that scene was was much closer to the Spock that we know yes and i yes. kept thinking he can pull it off he's gonna pull it off it's gonna be great and i love his deep voice it's gonna be perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i hope i mm-hmm. hope that yeah he resolves some of his issues soon soon yeah um i know people have felt sort of two ways about this scene i actually kind of like the scene where spock helps stamets work work uh, work through the problems in, in his lab mm. Um, I know, yeah, see, I know you don't like it either so much. I think it's okay. Um, again, the whole thing is a little forced, but if you ignore that part, I actually really like where Spock actually sort of is compassionate in his, in his sort of Vulcan way towards Stamets and even kind of gives him this nice thing about like, well, you know, I'd submit to you that you're thinking about, you know, Dr. Colbert packing up and leaving is, is inverted, you know, from your expectations or whatever. And that's actually a really, that's actually like a really nice thing for a Vulcan to say, right? Like when, when you, when you break it down, he's basically saying like, it's not what you think it is. He just needs time to figure out who he is. It's not about you. Like you, yes, you feel injured, but it's not about you. It's about Hugh. <laughs> and it's actually, I thought really nice. I know people didn't know it. I know you didn't like it as much, but I didn't like it so much. And again, if they had layered it and given him a reason, if they were, because t- their stories mm-hmm. do kind of intertwine because Michael thinks she knows who Spock is and Spock doesn't know who Spock is right now. So there were right. all these ways to kind of tie that together. And instead it just felt very, very forced. Like we yes. need him to say this thing. So let's make him say this thing. And then even their right. little tech thing that they were fixing didn't, like just hold it and plug it in it just it didn't feel like much of anything and no they could have had the same scene the same time and just layered it with some complexity i like when people are talking about something else and then realize how what they're talking about actually applies to their personal lives and they yes. really could have found a very very nice way to do that like my note on it was <laughs> to use one of your favorite words spock's rando advice to stamets <laughs> so because yes. i know you're yes. a rando guy 
because that M is too much. But <laughs> but it it did it it felt a little random for him to just bring it up, and I felt that there was a way they could it could have felt more organic. Yeah, and he could yes. have actually. It, it, said it's the like same a thing. third of their conversation was missing somewhere. You yes. know what I mean? Like there was a yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But again, these two guys act so well, you just kind of buy it and move on. Well, they're you know? so good. I liked getting a little bit of Testy Stamets back because I missed Testy Stamets. I liked when mm-hmm. he was, you know, kind of mm-hmm. crabby with everybody. And yeah. I like that he defended Michael. Yes. It was very nice. That and part was nice. See, that's the thing. There's so, it, it, It's like what we're talking about. There's so much potential in this, ep, like, in this script, right, in this writing. It's just not there. But it's so close. Yeah, it just needed a few more rounds mm-hmm. <laughs> of thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, yeah, no, it could have been a very nice because again, they're going through something similar here. Like he went and he yes. rescued Culber and it was a big deal that he rescued Culber and he yes. went to crazy extremes to rescue Culber. So yes, I it would have been nice to explore that parallel a little bit because then it would have been, then it, I would have really felt like, yes, Buck does understand because Stamets yeah. could have been frustrated and said, I've been wanting to get him back for so long and he's finally back and he's not really here. And then Spock could relate that to what he's exactly. going through. And, and what did that add? Like 10 seconds of dialogue? You know what I mean? Like to the whole runtime to say that, to add that in there? Yeah. And make it connect better? It's not, it's, that's worth, that's totally worth doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, alrighty. So they're, you know, doing their thing down in engineering and then they're getting all. <laughs> getting all serious with the 3d chess set in the meantime up on the bridge (laughs) they're going to section 31's headquarters nobody calls Um, michael to the bridge for quite some time while all this is going on (laughs) that is the most surprising part that like basically they even do like a countdown even they're all like oh we're about 10 minutes away you didn't want and then like even then they don't call michael like you should probably call michael to the bridge because we're almost there and instead they wait till they're there and then they're like in oh shit territory. And then they're like, hey, Mike, you want to come up? You want to come up here and help us out? And it's like, you probably should have called her sooner, but that's okay. <laughs> and then she needs a little catch up. Wait, what's going on? But it's okay. Right. I right. mean, I do think can, that's fine. The first time I watched this episode, I will say that the tension when they first hit those mines and were trying to make their way through, I did feel that tension the first time. oh yeah 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 for i sure. did not feel it as much the second time and in and in very very strong episodes i feel it every time even when i know how it turns out but mm. the first time i watched it it was i was like on the you know on i on edge waiting to see what was going to happen and what's up with these mines and they're drilling and ah it was you know it was definitely intense yeah for sure so section 31 apparently is headquartered in a former prison convenient that's yeah, I know. How's, how's that work? Um, but this, of course, goes back to if Kayla were here, she'd be real. She'd be like, you know, grinding her teeth, like gnashing her teeth about this. <laughs> this goes back to the whole thing where that Section 31 apparently is a thing and it's not decentralized and they actually have a headquarters. I'm like, what? OK, so we said it. <laughs> Why do they have a, a headquarters that you can actually locate? <laughs> yes, that people know and about. all that shit. Yeah, people know about it. Yeah, yeah okay we just have to deal with that fact like that's just the way they're they're working that's just the way they've decided to talk about you know to work section 31 in this time period apparently all right it just if there hadn't (sighs) been enterprise it would have worked and you could talk about the evolution of it but enterprise came first (laughs) (laughs) 
it's a little ambiguous there, so I think they're trying to go with that. Right. But um, there's some good headcanon about it that I've seen, and I actually like it, and it would be lovely if they would actually just make this official. That um, I, I really like this. A few I've seen this a few times that this is totally not in the episode, but just between us, I like this where people have said that when Archer becomes president of the Federation, because we know that he's the he becomes the first president when they form the UFP, um, I like the idea that he was so annoyed and so pissed about Section 31 that he outs them, brings them to like into the light, and then they attempt to actually use them as a legit... Over time, they attempt to use them as a legitimate arm until now it doesn't work out again. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. And actually, I could totally buy that. I It sounds like something Archer would do to me. You know, it sounds like... It sounds all reasonable. Now, all they have to do is write one line of dialogue to canonize this. And it would go a long way to, like, helping us understand why it seemed to be underground and then now not. And then it will be again, you know? Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Um, so... <laughs> We just all have to pretend that's how it all works to make ourselves feel better, I guess. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Because I want uh, to, so I'm going to. Yeah, exactly. Headcanon. So, uh, yeah, these these mines are floating around the former prison. That's actually the headquarters of Section 31, where also the control uh, the data center, they say, is. A, this is another thing. Why would a thing that's really important be totally centralized somewhere instead of decentralized? But whatever, like like the <laughs> the program itself, the, this fancy AI would it doesn't have multiple sites, you know, it doesn't have backups somewhere else, really, whatever. Yeah. So that's a terrible idea. It's convenient for eradicating it, like they do, but like, nope, don't yeah. buy it. it doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, um, no, right, no backup systems, but, nothing. Right. So, uh, but yeah, covered this whole area around it is covered in razor mines. That are attracted to shields, which I find interesting <laughs> because that's good and bad. But like if they're attracted to shields and the shields are up, you're going to spend a lot. You're going to expend a lot of mines because it's going to try and size of the hole, but the shields will repel them. So that didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then eventually you'll wear down the shields and that can slice through the hole. But like, man, you're going to waste a lot of mines wearing down shields doing that. But whatever. Right. Um so there you go. Um, what, was, what I thought was actually kind of more impressive, though, was when you get even closer, there's blackout mines that totally screw over navigation. Actually, that's pretty impressive. I thought yeah, that I was thought that was kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She said no. some, something to Detmer, like, just like at the Academy or whatever. Cornwall said yeah. something to her like Flying that. Blind, just to get it. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Just to get yeah. it. So I thought that was good. That was, I didn't have any issues. Yeah, that, that, was cool. that was some good tech. Yeah, there exactly. Like, hey, you know what? If you want to obscure and prevent people from getting close to your stuff, fuck with their navigation. Makes perfect sense to me. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so of course they start to kind of make it through, and then uh, Arium gets all crazy, and not only is she starting to do a download into herself, she's also multitasking, <laughs> and it's pretty clearly helping guide the mines towards the ship, right? Yep, and. They only uh, figure out, and I like this, this this goes back to the thing where you realize something that already happened in your life, you know, that just happened is also helpful at another circumstance in your life where Burnham has just come from this 
very intense game of chess where they talk about what the appropriate moves are or like that Spock seems to almost be throwing the game in order to mess with her. And so Burnham goes, aha, this is the game. This is like a game. Something is anticipating our moves. We should throw in some random choices. Like, and that's smart. Seems totally sound, like makes sense to me. I really, I liked that. I liked that they then had various bridge crew members call out different um, evasive patterns. Yep. I think they probably pulled out all the patterns we've, we've heard so far in all of Trek because <laughs> they like to use a few of them a lot I think like yeah. we hear about you know whatever and so I liked it though because I'm pretty sure we've heard all of those patterns before like in in, in the franchise which is kind of cool yeah um, nice little like they're, like there's you know right like there's standard patterns that uh you know people who fly the ship should know and so I like that and they change it up and they change it up and finally get somewhere and that's pretty awesome and of course, the whole time Arium is free, poor Arium is like freaking out and trying to do things and sort of herself for like two seconds, then back to downloading data. And like, it's kind of crazy. And Nan, this is the thing we were talking about. Nan the whole time was like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Cut to <laughs> Nan watching. But again, yeah. had we known, been more invested in, we're always invested in getting to know Arium, but had we been more invested in who she actually is, think of how much more powerful and painful. That right, because been. you'd be like, something's very wrong. She's glitching like crazy. Something's right. really wrong. Um, so they make it through, and they get a call from the logic extremist Admiral herself, Admiral Petar, who says, oh, they're all guilty of treason, and a Section 31 ship is coming with them. Yay! And, okay, damn, there you go, you know? Um, and that's the end of discussion. So they figure they better get over to the Section 31 headquarters before somebody shows up. And they have a nice little brainstorming session about how to get over there and what to do with everybody. And, of course, Saru um, defers to Burnham. Yep, he abstains, um, which is kind of it's nice that they throw him a bone because, in theory, he is the second in command and probably should be leading the away team. Um, And in... A lot of times they just it's just assumed it's going to be Burnham. So at least they do a nice little lip service to it. And Saru says, no, I've got some ideas about some analysis. So I'm going to stay behind. So Burnham and Nan are assigned. And of course, Arian makes sure to volunteer like, hmm, that's not suspicious. Like she made because she's not she's not the she's not part of the initial away team. She's not. But and in then, this case, she actually does offer up a good reason for her to go. And there is a good reason. Exactly. So, and so I, she very yeah. quickly volunteers and it's not BS. It makes perfect sense. So and, yay, good good job everybody. <laughs> Detmer's kind of jealous that she gets to go. Yeah. Which again, like more new camaraderie that we didn't see before, but okay, it was a nice moment, yeah. I guess. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I'll take and it. it was again, I liked it because it wasn't cut to them playing cards or doing some other thing, but it was actually in the context of what they were doing. Yes. And we've seen right. another crew. We've seen occasionally someone else gets to go on a landing party. We know everybody wants to go on a landing party. So that was that was a, a more real moment. Absolutely. So that was that's the, that's the right way to do that. Um, so they beam over to that space station. And boy, is it a really they did a good job with that. Boy, that's yeah. a creepy, decrepit, like frozen at this point because, you know, exposed to like the vacuum of space. Creepy set. Well, nicely done. I also really liked that it was. I'm. I. I have to believe this was purposeful. 
It, it, it was purposely reminiscent of the undiscovered country when the assassins beam over. Absolutely. To use the Klingon chancellor. It, it had to have been. The hallways are even somewhat reminiscent of like a Klingon hallway for a minute, you know. And there's creepy floating blood. And of course, they have to use gravity boots. Like there's, I, I really think that they thought of that. And that's great. Like that's, that was, that's the kind of stuff we, you know, that makes us Trekkies just kind of giggle. And we like that, right? Like th- there's an homage to it. Not 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 ridiculous fan service or anything wrong. Just a nice visual homage to it, right? It so. actually even reminded me it reminded me very much of that movie, but also a little bit of Wrath of Khan when they find mm-hmm. because they get there and they can't find anybody and they're actually yes. all up yes. above them. Good point. And yes. so it Good completely point. reminded me of well, I also remember I mean, when I was younger I read that book a lot of times. <laughs> Mm. And it was quite grisly, like the whole scene of how that oh, went I, down was very, very yeah. grisly. And oh, then the scene I, of them finding them was goodness. a really big deal. The th- when 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 McCoy slaps into the bloodied hands that are yeah. over the side rail, that that made me jump as a kid. It even makes me jump a little bit now as an adult, even though I know it's coming. That made me jump every time as a kid. I fre- that was freaky as a kid. I yes. So yeah, I, good point. I hadn't it, even thought about that. But it reminded point. me a little yeah. bit of that, and I also I really like the sounds, like the clank, clunk, like you said, the way even they beamed over, and then the boots, the anti grav kicks it, you know, shoo shoo, yep. and then the clanking, and it felt a bit horror-y and like yes. you know, like a horror movie. Not kudos to everyone right. for that. <laughs> kudos to Frakes. Kudos to the cinematographer. Kudos to the production department. Yeah. They all just did such a great job with that. Loved it. And then the dead bodies were like creepy, but yeah. so frozen that you weren't, it wasn't gross and I didn't have to look away, no, which right. I sometimes wasn't do. Gross. So that was so as too. So the corpsicles of the yeah, poor admirals. That, was that Tony's <laughs> word or yours? That was Tony's word. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. corpsicles. <laughs> yes, it's great. So yeah, uh, so gee, all the admirals or badmirals, another wonderful word from our site's founder, Tony. Yes. All the badmirals who oversee section 31, well, gee, they're dead and they've been dead for like a couple weeks. Which explains That's their strange behavior. Very strange, yes. So back on the disco, we have Saru who goes, oh, hey, by the way, I figured this out. Um, they're all holograms. I won't go into details because we need to talk about that under why they need a science advisor, but that's okay. Um, so we'll just say that he figures that out, that they're all holograms. And then thinks to go look at the quote, you know, the murder spree, quote unquote, that Spock goes on. And of course, all that's fake with holograms too. So the recording is real. The like, it's not a fake recording; it's a real recording. It really happened, but it happened with holograms. So, so right. So this makes me think of something else. Before, and mm-hmm. I won't get into the science of it, which is not my area mm-hmm. of expertise anyway. But it makes me. Th- I kept trying to think. So maybe this isn't ultimately a reason that we stop having hologram communications <laughs> for a long People, time. Yeah, yeah. People I mean, have I, talked about that. That's a although good point. again, yeah. you could fake video. As I mean, if AI can fake holograms, it can fake video. You know, like a and, basic, and, you know, and, uh, view screen, we, view screen messages. Uh, yeah, and considering what we can do now with by feeding, <laughs> but you can do a hell of a good job mapping someone's face into somebody else's with machine learning even today. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I mean, look at um, kind of scary Captain Marvel and the de aging and all that kind of stuff. Yes, so yeah. you know, it's, Sam is Jackson good... is right. Went back to the nineties, and it, I and I bought that. Like they did such a good job with that. Yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. distracted. But, like I wasn't sitting there going, "That's no. so weird." You know, I wasn't distracted at yeah. all. But yeah, it did... like ten years ago, it was very distracting when they tried to do that. But I if they say. wanted, 
to make that part of the mm-hmm. you know again they keep talking about how we're going to line everything up so if they wanted to make that part of the reason i would be okay mm-hmm. with that <laughs> yeah i think everyone would be cool with that yeah makes perfect sense um so despite non being very suspicious the person who actually puts this all together is tilly yep um so i mean I don't want to liken Tilly to season one Wesley because it's not fair. And even season one Wesley is not fair because by season two, Wes Crusher was much better, but she almost kind of gets a season one West moment where she gets to figure this out and not non who was suspicious the whole time, which is kind of too bad in a way, but that's okay. It's, that's a very minor, like whatever. She's also had a much closer look at what's been going on because she was standing right there. And that's fair. So, right. So she yeah, did get to see fair. it. And she's the one, I mean, despite the awkwardness of Ariam saying, stand here, don't stand here, go here, jump up and down, stand on one leg, mm-hmm. whatever, all the things she told her to do. She mm-hmm. has that closeness to her and had a reason to notice it all and to maybe at first think it's personal and then suddenly realize the stakes are much realize. bigger. Yeah. Fair. See, fair enough. Exactly. That's why I'm not really mad about it. It just, on the surface, it may feel that way. But yeah, it's it's legit. Um, so then she, she, you know, investigates and pretty quickly figures out that, oh yeah, she saw Ariam downloading a hell of a lot of her stuff this morning. Like, why is that? Oh, it's because she was freeing up space to dump a bunch of the spheres data. Remember the sphere, everybody? That's <laughs> giant sphere. The slice of galactic pie. And yeah. Pike's like, so, I was there. I remember. Move on. <laughs> I know. I love that. He was like, come on, skip to the end here. Yeah. Let's go. I was there. Got um, it. yeah. So, yeah, all, all of the data the Sphere has ever collected from any society it's ever observed, basically all the IT knowledge on, like, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all that stuff, like, she was trying to download all that to transfer it to control. And that seems very bad. Yes, that yes. seems very bad. <laughs> so they quickly figure out, well, shit, we can't let control have that. It basically would get a roadmap to you know, uh, self-awareness and, uh, that's not good. <laughs> that's like the worst sci-fi, uh, trope you can have, right? A self-aware eye is no good. Right. Um, Haven't they seen all the same movies that we've seen? I know. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> they it's never Skynet the, people. Yeah. They never watched the Terminator. What's going on? I know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I got a little, a little lost in there with all of that. But yeah, well, that's but that's, that's but that's true. So so yeah, that's really bad news. Obviously, we can't have that. Um, so back on the space station, of course, control has pretty much got its overwritten. You know what it needs to control Arium, which is really bad. So Arium goes, you know, just full on action hero, batshit crazy, and. They do some sweet Matrix-style fighting. And I had forgotten, thank you for this note, Lori, that there's Kirk Fu as well, which yeah. is awesome. Burnham gets in some sweet Kirk chops and stuff, right? And, like, and I, the kick. I have to say, like, you know, I always say this, but I'm like, I, I don't really like fighting. I mean, I don't think they shouldn't have it. It's just not my particular favorite thing to watch. But I always loved mm-hmm. Kirk Fu because it's oh, just because more it's fun so to watch. It's just much yeah. more entertaining. And so that yes. was, yeah, they had it was it was good that part of it and then and yanking off the <laughs> poor nuns you know breathing yeah, apparatus so I, I which love, of course I, love that, like, I wish yeah. they hadn't telegraphed Gee, it but i know 
Like, because Nan, of course, we all thought she was a Barzan based on her appearance and her breathing apparatus. But of course, they never made that official until earlier this episode. Just like they never made Arium official until this episode. So, gee, Arium asked Nan about her breathing apparatus. That wasn't going to come back around, was it? Oh, yeah, well, it was. Also, I would <laughs> think Arium would around. know. Like, it also didn't make of sense that she, she had would. to ask. It's, so it didn't. It's total exposition yeah. for the audience like it's not for anyone else <laughs> they did they could have totally done without that like it just they could have because it's obvious it. it's obvious she needs that for breathing it's near her mouth right like rip it out have her start to like gasp we all know what's going on which right? is exactly what happened which so. is exactly what happened <laughs> yeah right so no i know but all right see again a little bit of polish somebody could have said we could lose the Leave this Atlanta dialogue there, and we can insert one that helps flush out the Spock's damn scene. You know what I mean? Right. Anyway. I mean, I, I assume <laughs> they thought that the audience wouldn't have been aware that that's what was going on. But uh, let's face it, our it's, Star Trek it's audiences are smart. Also, if she starts gasping for air, it's obvious what's going on. And, <laughs> then, and, then she, and then she reattaches one, and she's fine. Like, yeah, people are going to figure that out. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, they kick the... Burnham gets the crap kicked out of her. Nan gets beat up, and, like... Her, her breathing apparatus ripped off of her, which looks painful because it seems to be like embedded in her cheek. That looks really nasty. Um, and so poor Nan is kind of over in the corner, slowly asphyxiating, you know? And there's one thing that bothers me here, and it's bothered a lot of people, and they, it was pointed out right away by so many people, which is that they all just kind of leave Nan. And I mean everyone, like the Discovery crew notices that like this happens, and no one attempts to beam her back or do anything for her. They just well, kind of leave her in the corner gasping. They don't beam her back or they don't beam anyone else over armed. Over. You know. Right. There's there so, are many oof. I mean, as we will discuss, there are a hundred options. <laughs> and all you had to do was say, Oh, they threw up the shields and now we can't and then you right. don't have to worry about that problem. Exactly, because this is a former prison, there's some kind of dampening, whatever it is, you just do that. That's the end of it. Okay, we can't help non. Done. So anyway, yeah, they leave Nan there, poor Nan, gasping for air. And we basically, like, the camera, you know, everyone, the point of view, like, moves on from her. You, you We forget about her, basically. Right. We're done. Which kind of sucks. Um, but, but again, it's a setup for something, which is fine, I guess. Um, but yeah, so in the meantime, Tilly appeals to Arium, and she has that nice little moment with her and sends her, like, the little memory of them joking around the mess hall to try and kind of get her back. And so Ariam, I guess, briefly regains control of like, I don't know, her speech center, but not her motor control basically. And says like, sorry, but you're going to have to kill, you know, eject me into space because control is just about done taking over me. Like this isn't, you know, I'm going to find a way to continue its mission. If you don't kill me, Um, which is, a hell of a thing to say you know right you and again imagine. i That's have really 20 other options that i can think of but okay right. yeah so there's that <laughs> um and the only other thing is this goes back to being on the hitting it on the nose here that we talked about before the universe isn't like burnham centric until it, they, it keeps saying it is and here in her last few words she says, it wanted me to kill you. Everything, Everything is, is because, because of, you. of you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, and by the way, go seek out this thing called Project Daedalus. <laughs> well, sort of like <laughs> Project Daedalus. Like she didn't get yeah. to really explain anymore. Right. That was that. 
because oh, of and that's our... the episode title, by the way, which is kind of interesting because we know nothing. It's the title comes from something in the last like thirty seconds of the episode. Basically. Yeah, kind of interesting. But we do have that nice moment where Nan actually um, not Hooray. only rescues herself, which makes her a good security yes. chief, that she was able to do that yes. and strong enough to do that. Because I kept thinking, yes. wow, that seems like a risky kind of thing for a security chief yeah. to need um, but it she is, proves yeah. that she's okay and then she takes care of it for Burnham which I thought was actually a nice moment because Burnham it, has it seen so many terrible things and seen people go out through go out she's, into space she's and go seen out it. Through, yeah she's witnessed it multiple <laughs> times so poor I, Connor was number one there I know. ripped out in the space in the pilot him. yeah yeah poor Ensign Connor I died know. twice Love that guy. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that. But yeah, was Burnham refuses good. to do it though. This is this is one of the, this is a problem though that Burnham refuses to do it. Like she refuses. Pike orders her. Spock is like basically, hey sis, don't be stupid, do it, and she won't do it. It actually takes Non to do it. Now I like that Non does it for the reasons you just talked about, and because hey man, she's the chief of security. She's supposed to be a badass. So she's like, I got this. Whatever hits the button you know like this is what we need to do to save and our skins i feel like we've seen this in trek before where characters told they don't do it like the, because you're supposed to do everything you can to not kill someone or get rid of them yes so i, I should that's a problem i should have come mm-hmm. armed with some examples and i don't have them off the top of my head right now but it seemed very to me it was very star trek of burnham to to not accept right that right. option there's supposed to be well, as actually, as Spock would later say in his later years, there are always possibilities. Yes. Right? They're supposed to be. So, yeah, it's it's kind of too bad that, again, they don't sort of know this about the way Star Trek works. And they should have at least written something about why it would be prudent to just let this happen. Right? So, some way. Somehow. Right? So. Um, and can we talk about my like the big issue for me about this being the way Arium dies was that I sure. c- I could not first of all I th- as soon as she said you know I make I've I've disabled my helmet I was like why like let them beam you out into space or you that let you get sucked into space and then let discovery beam me back on the ship into the brig and then you don't have a problem I mean Tyler was out there with no protection whatsoever and they were like floop and they picked him up and he was fine yep yeah, and that uh, they did that with Archer. He he ejected himself briefly and was immediately like transported up in on Enterprise. This is a thing that they've done like multiple times. We've seen this happen. And so. here's my solution. Right there are hundred solutions because Arium could have said, mm-hmm. um, "Whatever I do, I'm going to keep trying to kill you," and then ordered her own self destruct. Like had a self destruct. There are a hundred different things that they could have come up. Okay, not a hundred, but I could probably come up with six different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That, that that would have to be her death or that there would be no option or that she would do it sure. herself and say, I'm setting myself to self-destruct because I know that even if you put me in the brig, I'm going to find a way. Right. And that was and that's one of those things that, again, kind of sucks is that was that was implied a little bit, but it was not all she needed to do was just basically say that. Like, look, the control has to almost total like it has total control of me. If it gets full control of me, I'm never going to stop. Like, I'm going to go. In fact, the discovery, I'm going to go do whatever I need to do. And I mean, that's implied, but it, it would be nice to just be, make it explicit. So we know why this was the only option. 
Right. I was seriously thought they just could have beamed her to the brig and I couldn't figure out what the big deal was. I was like, just, yeah, it's fine. Or actually keep her in her spacesuit. She could actually survive out there just fine. <laughs> well, for a while. Tie her to a rope, drag her around to wherever you need to. <laughs> she needs air yeah, eventually. That's but true. Yeah. Eventually. Right. But she had, you eventually. know. Eventually. Yeah. Anyway, I thought there were, I just thought that it would have been very Star Trek for them to go through all those options. What if we do this? What if we do this? Because they would be desperate to save her. And they can run through that. Right. And they can run through that like super quickly. Tilly can kind of nervously like, you know, anxiously run through those quickly. Like it it could have been done. It would have been done fairly quickly, like as a quick, you know, a few lines of dialogue. And it would have just helped. Right, because yeah, I wanted to feel like they tried everything. I mean, it reminded me of when Saru tells the doctor, "Like I'm just gonna die," and she's like, "Okay, yeah, she's like, like, this, this is away. not our, you know, and and we know that you're not supposed to accept those things." And they still could have had a reason that she had to die, and dealt with everybody's grief and that, you know, those those moments on the bridge with everybody upset and focused, and and yeah. then that that beautifully done silence at the end that stayed all through the credits would have had would have been even better by the way not silent just people think that because it's very quiet but if you listen on headphones especially because i noticed it the first time oh very quietly Ooh. it's actually it's actually the ocean lapping up onto the shore just like in her mind yeah 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 it was the memory it was the memory it was the memory yeah Loop, basically looping over the credits. now it's very quiet you, you either have to jack your TV up really loud, which I don't recommend, or listen to it on <laughs> headphones, which is how I first watched the episode, so I actually heard it. It's oh. there, and it's it, it's kind of a cool little Easter egg because, like, yeah, you can't normally hear it, but it's actually there. Very quietly is the ocean, you know, lapping up on the shore. Which is I lovely. thought that was also pretty cool. And I even, loved it. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And even if you couldn't hear it, like, just having... it remind, Like, was it 20... And the silence is perfect, 24 too. used yeah. to have silent credits when a major character died. Mm-hmm. at the end like it was and it's just sure. a powerful it's a very powerful thing and so the it drama is. of it was good again as we've said before all the actors pulled it off in a great way so that the emotion felt very real and the loss felt yep. very real but i just kept yep. thinking that i knew it's like you know what's going to happen because they mm-hmm. give you all they packed so much into one and it just could have been so much better yes i, I really feel like this was a um one of those we can kill off people like we can well let's show that we can kill someone off because we've said we can you know things yeah and so they were like well who's an interesting like secondary character that we can actually do this to yeah i think i saw an interview that was too bad that actually had them saying that so right who's the interesting secondary actor and again but this was someone that we've been waiting for information on and it came too late whereas if not that i want them to get rid of any other cast members because i don't but no. there were other characters that we knew little things about that could have added up or yeah. they could have just planted it, which would have been better. And then, of course, I think of the people who died in the past that nobody seemed up. You know, I always think of Connolly, <laughs> how yeah. he just went and nobody ever even talked about it afterwards. There wasn't no. even a moment of like, oh, my God, he's dead. It was just like, let's keep going. Nope. Yeah. 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 So. Well, you want to talk about uh this comparisons to other sort of similar but yet different situations yes. with so, secondary uh, characters i have so many thoughts on this because obviously so everybody <laughs> well because there's been a lot of arguing what star Trek there has been yeah right about what? i know you know debate? did this have meaning didn't have meaning and i certainly don't look mm-hmm. anyone who found this to work for them perfectly 
good. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So no, I don't want to ruin it. If you felt the emotion and it was authentic and it worked for you, great. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. You can't be wrong. It's your experience. But when right. you, there are two other characters that I heard a lot of comparison to, and then I even thought of some more, but the main one is Cedo in mm-hmm. Lower Decks. Because mm-hmm. we've met her once before, a couple seasons before, when she was at the Academy with Wesley Crusher. Right. And then, but we, she was barely, she was a very minor character there. And then we get this whole Lower Decks thing. And, and at the end of the episode, sorry, spoiler, but happened a long time ago. <laughs> you know, she dies. 25-year-old spoiler. <laughs> right. She dies on this mission. But they mm-hmm. did it very differently. And one of the biggest things, first of all, it wasn't, it didn't pack the same emotional punch that this did in that right. same personal way. And there was a whole shock because she was young and she was at the very beginning of her career. And that was the whole point of the episode. She's new. She's coming up. And so you get that feeling of loss of this whole life that she had ahead of her. Right. As opposed to a life she had behind her that we're suddenly supposed to have known about that we didn't. And I also and they they established so that she had a nice relationship with Worf, which when we saw the two of them together, it was it was in the story it wasn't a flashback to her relationship with Worf right it was he's training her and the way that he chose to train her by giving her this exercise she couldn't win because she was blindfolded tells you even more about their relationship right so all of that was very rich and layered and it and worked and then she also had a relationship with Nurse Ogawa who we have seen already like many many times on the show before that episode so that right. we felt a little bit of her emotion too. And it wasn't, everybody mm-hmm. wasn't devastated, but certain people were devastated. And if you want to talk about something in that particular episode that didn't work as far as relationship, that character, Ben, who they made up, oh, remember yeah. him? That's like, really random. Yes, I, they do. I believe The random that, waiter in 10 forward. Right. And, and when they suddenly show that he can crash the senior officer's poker game, yeah, you no. don't buy it because we've <laughs> no, seen them play poker all. a million times. Had we right. never seen them. But again, you can't shoehorn something into something that's been going on for a long time, which is that poker game. So I didn't buy that he had that intimate relationship with the senior officers. That to me came off as phony. But the rest mm-hmm. of it I thought worked. But yeah, that's so the Cedo, you know, you felt her death, but it wasn't. I don't think people cried when they watched that episode. No, you just was sad, but, you know, a little bit. Right. And you felt like the loss and what it's like when you lose someone and that you work mm-hmm. with. And, and we all know these missions are dangerous, but it just it didn't it wasn't trying to make everybody weep. Right. So that is so the first one, like I say, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. No, no. And then the other one, you know, people talk about like Data's daughter, but that was really mm-hmm. all about the impact that it had on Data. And there was no pretense that she had had these long-term intimate relationships with everybody else because we saw her right. origin. Right, she was just born. Right, yeah. we saw her right. origin. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think even I'm going to just bring up two others, which is Jennifer Sisko, right? That, oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. death is really powerful. But it's kind of all about what she means to Ben and how she changed his view of everything and the course yes. of his life. And yes. so that's about his personal grief of his wife. So that makes yes. sense that there's a history there because they're married. Right. And even I look at George Kirk. Okay. Star Trek mm. for, you know, first JJ movie and his first one, he's already someone's father who's very important. And he does this big heroic action 
it's not flashbacks, <laughs> right? It's like this <laughs> right. is yes. this is the action that we see. And where it didn't right. work, just to throw in my final one, as mm-hmm. a Voyager, which I love, and I hate when people complain about it, but I love it. But Ashes to Ashes, which is a goofy oh, yes, little yes, episode. Yes. We're yes, supposed this to is a care. Good point. <clears throat> right. So they find yep. this crew member and she says, Everybody Who in thought theory, I we're died. We're supposed to have known. <laughs> right. Everybody thought I died, but really I was found by this alien race, the Kabali, and they transformed to me. Mm-hmm. And that's and so here I am again and I want to come back. But we'd never seen her before. So it didn't and you know the part that impact. really kills me about that is that they've killed other people. They could have actually brought someone who really we did see die on camera back. Yep. There are absolutely. other secondary characters that they killed throughout the series. They could have picked someone else. Like, ah. Uh, yeah, they could have killed. picked someone yeah. else, or they could, and also like the actress they used is actually someone I've seen in other things, and I always liked her, so she was capable of of you know I wish they'd put her in sooner or something but the, so it yeah. doesn't work it doesn't work when you try and pack it all in and again they did memories I remember when you did this I remember when you did that yes. well yes. it's right. too late for that folks. yeah in theory like he, she and Harry were like flirty and stuff in the yep. past and yeah it's like what okay cool cool whatever we'll just have to accept that um, yeah so again there's ways to do it and there's ways not to do it also one of the things like we were talking about before is uh, none of the other shows were all episodic and not really serialized. That's, I think, one of the reasons why that this irks us, you know, a lot of us more is there's all this talk about exploiting the serialization, like we're using serialization to its benefit. And none of that was true here. They didn't use it, you know, for various reasons. Like we talked about a lot of them, I think, are behind the scenes. They just didn't have the people with the interest to do this Arium story and the ways to work it in sooner but they should have right right because in episodic tv we can kind of forgive that it's much harder when it's supposed to be heavily serialized they make a big point about it being heavily serialized you know it's like okay so then use that to good effect like use that but they don't you know in this case they did not right and it's a it's a bummer and it's kind of irksome really that like you could have had this payoff really nicely and you didn't Yep. No, exactly. So, I mean, I don't want to beat it to death and keep saying it, but it is, it just, it just kept hitting me that it could have been so much more than it was. Yeah. And that's the bummer is like, to go back to sort of how you started things, we, we like discovery. We want to see discovery succeed. We really do. This is the stuff where like, they're doing so well and they get so close to something, but it's just not there. And And it's just, it's like, oh, we want we want this to be better. Like we want this to be so, like this could have been so great and had no real you know issues with it, right? We could have had very few issues with this if they'd done a few more passes in the writers' room, you know. And like, we this know could have been dialed in. We know that they know how to develop characters. They're so good right, at developing. They do characters. a good job with it. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do a really good job with it. So it's it's I mean, not even like they don't know how. It's like they just didn't. Right. Disarray, a rush, something happened, you know, something behind the scenes happened here. That's Every, just got to be it. Everything felt rushed in this one. So again, from the te- mm-hmm. from not covering the tech problems and the tech decisions to the character stuff, it just, they just could have, yeah, <laughs> I keep saying yeah. it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, 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 one last thing that we should nitpick, and this one is one of those things that is even more than a nitpick. This is just straight up bad science. And if they had... I know we've said this a lot, and it's funny because I know we've said this in many episodes, but you know what? We're going to say it again. 
these guys need a science advisor. Yes. It's not that hard. Anytime they do something that is related to real world science, they just need to be careful with it. That's all. They just need to be careful. Yeah. Um, when, when, when there's a good reason to tech the tech and invent something, they probably should. Um, but when they do something that's related to the, to real laws of physics, you just have to be careful and there's nothing wrong with that. And people who think we're being ridiculous, um, let's let's point out that ever since TOS, and in fact, even The Cage, ever since the pilot, Gene Roddenberry thought highly enough of things to uh, to keep on retainer a science advisor. Yep. They would get notes back from uh, two or three different agencies at the time. Uh, it, it eventually came, I think, with just one. Um, but of uh, various kind of like science think tanks and they gave feedback now sometimes they ignored it for plot reasons or whatever else but there's all but they had notes and they would be like oh you know you you said this it you know realistically it would be this it's a simple change and it keeps your plot you know device working and so people would be like cool i just goofed i'll swap you know this property for that property and it just keep right on going right it's very a lot of these times they're simple fixes they're not telling you to gut your story they mean they know that science advisors for tv shows know that right and they they have to come up with something to make the story work the way that you want it to right they're not just there to like gut it they're there to go hey this is an interesting idea um that to the best of our knowledge you know maybe this is a way to make it work okay so anyway just because a lot of people don't know behind the scenes stuff, like you and I do, Lori. I mean, I mean, how many times have you read the making of Star Trek? Right, <laughs> like so or many times. At least times. flipped through it. Yeah, no, right. So many so... times, cover to cover. <laughs> right, right. See, and see, there you go. Especially as a uh... kid, we didn't we didn't have streaming TV. There wasn't that much to watch. No. There I was reading that book no. over and over and over. I read that. I read that book and Alan Alan Asherman's Compendium. I mean, I wore that thing out. Oh my god, you know, so many times. Anyway, so science. Let's talk about the one thing that's... Well, there's two things. One is minor, but it's just stupid. It, which is that uh, Cornwall says that this lie detector test, basically, for all intents and purposes, it's a fancy lie detector test, is 100% yeah. accurate. No. No. Nope. No. <laughs> no. No person, no expert, no scientist, no one, ever, and I don't mean it's just a difference in technology, there will never be a test that anyone in the sciences would ever tell you is 100% accurate. Correct. Because it's not true. Yeah. You can you can have you, you will there will always be a degree of error. It could be like ninety nine percent accurate, which is still unlikely. But let's just say <laughs> you can get damn close. You can get like you know three nines, as they say, or something. You know ninety nine point nine nine nine, whatever. You there is no way that anyone will tell you that it is one hundred percent accurate. It is not a good thing to say, and it's a simple it's a simple change to where to where she just says. You know, this is the best test we have. We, you know, it's it's considered highly accurate. They just don't say it's one hundred percent done. Simple, simple thing to do increases the credibility with people who know better. And honestly, people should know better. If you're a lot of Czech fans or scientists, uh, yeah, <laughs> they should. They would know this. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't even mean like scientists, man. This is like this is stuff that you know from taking statistics in like community college just stuff you you know it doesn't require a ton of education to understand this honestly so, just from watching tv <laughs> right oh there you go i mean really watch anything yeah right but watch any like procedural about whether things are admissible in court and they'll be like no lie detector tests aren't that accurate people right. can cheat them whatever 
because of what so, it measures because specifically right. like it measures changes in in the body or the metabolism in different ways but it can't interpret like what's going on inside your brain and if you're telling no, the truth and, or not. and and so they tried to make it a brain scan to sort of make it like this advanced you know yeah, future but, version but even then sorry it's just not that straightforward yeah gotta tell you i mean i let and, that and, one and, go and when Star i Trek even it. admits that yeah. And Star Trek even admits that like things are not that straightforward to mapping the human brain. Um, as we know, McCoy will tell you that. It's not easy to go map the human brain. Ask him about reconnecting Spock's brain sometime, <laughs> you know? <laughs> a child could do it. A child could do it. Oh no, he's losing his he's losing the knowledge <laughs> oh, no, he halfway forgot. through the operation. Yeah. He's forgetting. Um, okay, so that's just a dumb thing. And again, it would be so easy for them to swap hundred percent for something like the word highly accurate right which is a little and then you just move on um so let's go to the thing that's like absolutely not acceptable and the tiniest bit of googling this and looking at even say a wikipedia article would (laughs) would tell you this is wrong uh so saru in theory in the episode says that he detects changes in the uv spectrum of people when they're being you know heightened you know in some way angry you know whatever uh no here's why uh people in fact pretty much nothing living that we know of uh, emits uv sorry we don't emit that kind of spectrum so for people who don't know uv is a very short range and entirely the opposite direction like the other side so it's above blue and below on a much longer wavelength is red um what we emit as humans and pretty much any animal you can think of emits we emit infrared so we admit things that are just below like outside the range of what we could what we visually see as red we radiate that because we radiate heat because what we radiate is is stuff that that correlates to our body temperature right and our body temperature is in no way in no way hot enough to start radiating uv because it's at a totally other end of the spectrum so nope sorry you would not see shit on the UV spectrum from people. It's not going to happen. Now, they, you would absolutely see stuff from infrared. That's how night, you know, that's how people use that all the time. People use IR stuff to see people like hidden to see things that, you know, hidden in the night, hidden somewhere to detect changes. We use that. IR cameras are everywhere. That's no big deal. So all they had to do. This is, goes back to a science advisor goes, hey, you shouldn't use UV. Just swap it to infrared. Done. Wouldn't have changed a thing. Right. Uh, it, it also makes perfect sense that Saru might be the one to think of this. Because, hey, if we've already established that Saru has beyond human vision, there's no reason that he couldn't, if he sees somewhat into the UV range, why wouldn't he see down into the infrared range too? It seems plausible that those are both sort of extremes, right? It's sure if he can if he has above average like you know if he has sort of above human sight it seems perfectly plausible then if he can see somewhat into the uv range he might as well be able to see somewhat down into the infrared range because those are both at the fringes of what we can see as humans so that's all they had to do was just go hey i can you know saru goes hey it made me think about that because i can see these things so then i ran an analysis on the infrared level and saw these and saw no changes that's all they had to do. Right. Um, I mean, Jordy had a visor <laughs> and he had similar things where he could see things that nobody else saw. And then he would do a little digging and be like, yeah, I was right. Look at this crazy thing. 
Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's that same gimmick and it would work just fine. Um, but again, just don't, don't, you know, do a little research, figure out which end of the spectrum is appropriate to say that this, uh, this race is another interesting thing that is just kind of a minor thing of, so I guess these, um, the video sensors, you know, the sensors that record these, this data records full spectrum data. It doesn't just record visual things because how else do you have that information from the communications? Right. Like if you, like I can't go stare at a communication from someone and see anything beyond the visual spectrum from them. If I looked at like my computer screen right now with an IR, you know, camera, what I'd see is that the screen itself is kind of warm from displaying it. Like that's, you you know what I mean? Like I can't see <laughs> people's body heat from a webcam, you know, right? Like so I'm it's not a big deal, but it's just really interesting. So apparently <laughs> these these uh you know, the this the, the the visual scanners or whatever that record these logs record full spectrum data, not just visual spectrum data. Seems like a huge waste of uh, bandwidth to do it, but okay. Unless so they, they wanted cool. to say because it was a psychiatric institution and blah, blah, blah. You know, again, they could have sure. come up with a reason for it. Sure. Although then he also applies that to the fake Patar communication. Right. That's what so. Maybe not. Eh, whatever. Eh. And that's, see, though, that's that's like a shoulder shrug. Like, that's like, a, all right, we accept that. That's no big deal. The, the problem, because at the end, that's Star Trek tech. We can't argue that. Okay, so they record full spectrum data for some reason. Sure. Okay, fine, whatever. But, like, something that is that is absolutely wrong, and it is not how physics works, you can't argue with. You know? It's like, oh, you guys, you just, oh, just like stop and think about it. Like, right. yes, you established that Saru can see UV, so it's kind of neat that he's the one that figures that out. But like, it doesn't make sense. Just say Saru can see down into the IR range too, and so it dawned on him that he should go analyze that. Yeah, it's really that simple. It, it was easy, easy peasy. I just explained it. Simple, simple. Ah, yep. you guys. Oh, so close, but so far. Yeah, no, it's sad. <laughs> it's just, it's just, this is one of those things that, like, Star Trek has always at least tried to do some science fact in their science fiction. They, they're not hard science fiction by, like, literary terms, but as far as, like, pop culture sci-fi goes, Star Trek has always been, like, kind of leaning towards the harder side as compared to, like, crazy science fantasy side of things. And so, and that that's, you know, a testament to things like, Gene Roddenberry thinking that having a science advisor was useful on yeah, TOS. which it was. And so it was. And they kept that going all the way through, like the Berman era. Right. So you guys, just just, just retain someone. someone. Do you know how many people just would love that job? Him. Do you know how many scientists oh, so would many love to have that job? So many people. Would almost make we, me go study science. We've said this. I know, right? We've said this on other podcasts, and we've had other people. Like, we've had Trek movie you know, readers and podcast listeners go, um, I'm a scientist. Hey, CBS, like <laughs> retain me for yeah. a nice, you know, it's like, right. Like people would gladly just do a quick scan of every script and they have to sign NDAs. That's all. Oh, that's normal. That's what happens. Like that's, that's life. You send an NDA, you get to scan every skip real quick, give some notes. They either take it or they don't. Yep. And you hope they take it when it makes 
you know, total sense. Like in this case, it's really hard to refute that they got this just dead wrong. <laughs> and so, and it's a simple, it's a simple fix. Like we just talked about there. It, it's a simple fix. It's almost just swapping words. It's not even like adding words. But this, <laughs> I mean, this is a common thing with discovery, but it's throughout this episode. It's exactly that same problem where it just mm-hmm. could have been fixed easily. Yep. And, and they rush through things and it could have been fixed. All right, we oh, should move on. Come on, Discovery. We got to move on. <laughs> we got to move done. on. We're in the Sorry, home Sorry, folks. We ranted a little too long, but we but we just want the best for Star Trek, you know? We just want it. We do. It's because we love it. We do it for love. It's because we love it. Uh, so that's about it, I think, for this episode specifically, unless you have anything else you wanted to add. I had a few, just a few really small things. I mean, okay. one, let's, I assume everybody's thinking about V'ger. And the, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. So the obvious, the, the V'ger elephant in the room that everybody knows. So familiar <laughs> theme, which is actually okay because it's a recurring yeah. theme. So it's fine. It's very Star Trek. There was a couple of weird moments. There's this weird thing with where Stamets suddenly appears on the bridge in the final scene. Did you notice this? Mm, no, Stamets actually, was not on the bridge until the death scene so that we could see his face but i kept looking oh, no, for I him think about he just that. suddenly That's appears funny. there out of nowhere and i was like nobody called mm. him i don't know what he's doing there i think overall right now in this phase and i hope it i love stamets but i feel like they don't quite know where he's supposed to be or what to do with him because the no, spore drive isn't stamets. doing anything and yeah. so he's culber's story and then they just kind of shoehorn him into these other scenes and i wish they'd integrate him better because i he's smart and he has a lot to offer and he would be a good guy to have around and he must know about something besides just sports well and he does in theory he's a super smart guy and knows all kinds of stuff right, right. like so, he, he shows that so, so i would say like they should they could do a better job of including him and having him just suddenly be standing there on the bridge was definitely a little bit weird Huh, that's so funny. You're right, though. I didn't really think about it, but you're totally right. It's just there. So the whole cast is there to react, basically. Yeah. Um, but the other mm-hmm. thing about that, I just need to add one more thing to that death scene, which is that mm-hmm. the way that they visually ended it was was very striking and beautiful. Like the the pulling back from what Michael could see and then the and just the sadness of the fact that like these admirals were dead and that was sad and she was out there. And I just the visual of it was striking. So I wanted to give yes. it a little shout out for that. Yeah, I, li- I liked Frakes's direction very much this episode. It was yes. less kind of ridiculous and swoopy than some, which, yay. Yeah, they had a couple of swoopy moments, which is just a style sure. they've chosen and they like. Yeah, I don't, and they like it, so so that's fine. But they but, do, and they should enjoy it, so have fun. Sure, <laughs> but but going, but there's no, there was no, yeah, I just, I liked it that there wasn't excess of it. It was some flourishes, and then that was that. Right, and then otherwise it was very so. powerful, and it really, I thought, um, conveyed the emotion very well with the visuals, mm-hmm. so it was a nice For sure. thing. And then I think um, some of us were not, it's just just so funny because here's a swearing thing. Now, I don't care about, in my life, I don't care about swearing. You can swear. My kids can swear. I actually don't care. I tell tell them not to swear around other people because other people don't like it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But they can swear in front of me. I literally have no reaction to me. One word is the same as the other. And yet when Pike said shitstorm. Yeah. Out of character. I I thought that felt really weird Mm -hmm. and it felt out of character, especially like Tilly's trying now not to swear on the bridge and then he did. And I just thought it was not even necessary. No. And it just felt it was weird. And I also think like, again, for the same reason I tell my kids, like, don't go swear in front of other people because it actually upsets other people. So I Mm -hmm. think in this 
in terms of Star Trek viewers, make there be a reason. If you're going to do it, let there be a reason because a lot of viewers don't really like it. Right. And I don't care. But and it, when Tilly did it, it made sense. And she was excited and she was emotional. But this just felt weird and unprofessional. And for Pike, who's like the seasoned officer. So I thought that was weird. Yeah. And then the one yeah. other I weird. I love that. There's this there's this moment that's supposed to be nice but came off as not nice to me cuz I always identify with the underdog. But when Cornwall says to Pike, you, "We kept you out of the war because you're the mm-hmm. best that Starfleet has to offer." I kept mm-hmm. thinking everybody else in that room was not kept out of the war because they're not the best that Starfleet has to offer. <laughs> That's true, huh? I, I it was... is kind of insulting to everyone else, especially people like Detmer, who's like, yo, I, I don't have an eye anymore. Thanks. You know, like... <laughs> like, of course. I mean, that's my own thing of where my mind always goes. But <laughs> it's like as soon as like she said that to him and I thought, well, that was a nice thing to say. Wait, well, nobody that, else that in whole this exchange, room? that whole exchange was was fairly unprofessional. And it is one of the few things that like they really pro- Pike probably should have had that out with her in his ready room not on the bridge in front of everyone like that whole exchange yeah you know wasn't, yep. wasn't great to have right there yeah but except i sure. mean it wasn't time to get up and leave and go have a conversation somewhere else no that's right there so is no time for that i could but buy just the, in theory i know, could buy that theory. they had that conversation but i always you know whenever it's like in the wizard of oz where she says to the scarecrow i think i'm gonna miss you most of all and immediately i'm like well the lion and the tin man are still standing there <laughs> That's true. Like it's and, that same moment where you're just like, oh, oh. Like if you're the other person, you go, oh. Like you just feel crappy when somebody says that. So oh, maybe and that that's poor, and the poor and the poor lion has no self esteem already, man. I know? know, I know. Like it, it may just affect. You know, may just be about my personal self esteem issues, but it definitely <laughs> hits me in a big way. I was like, oh, that's not nice. Everybody else is standing there. So you got to watch what you say. Like when you tell someone they're your favorite. Yeah. Position of leadership too. Don't say it when there are other people standing around. Yeah. 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 All right. That's actually good. That's true. Good management right there. It's like, come on, people. Think about that. Right. Be careful when you say these things. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I know we've gabbed your ear off about this. So there you go. That's it for episode nine. And uh, next week, episode 10, titled The Red Angel. Will we really figure out anything about the Red Angel? There's still like four more episodes to go. So I don't know. No, well, three after next week. Also, so. I felt when I watched the preview, it felt more like a preview of the rest of the season than a preview of the next mm. episode. Well, it's definitely set up for something. I kind of feel like, you know how this episode was titled The Daedalus Project, but it really had nothing to do with it. Like it was, it was set at the end of the episode, basically set up. It was basically like a title, but like for the next episode in a way, mm-hmm. you know? Like they kind of, I have the feeling like that's the case with this one. Like it's titled the Red Angel because like at the last second, something yeah. happens. Yeah, you know what I mean. Could we'll, be. we'll see. That's my that's my guess, total guess. But all right, everybody. Well, thanks for hanging in there with the two of us, just gabbing away. And uh, that's that's it for next time. We'll uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Right. Bye bye. Bye guys. <laughs>